When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru for episode 236 of the show. Keaton, welcome back, my friend. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. It is great for a couple of reasons. One, we got baseball, and we're in a full season, so that's great for that reason. And second of all, I get to talk to you in such short order again. It was nice to not have to go like three months without talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we did that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pumped too. And especially because the tone and tenor, uh, of our last conversation on here wasn't exactly overly optimistic, uh, with these knuckleheads figuring things out, but they did. Uh, and like you said, we're going to get a full 162, uh, and we have actual baseball stuff to talk about because they have like three weeks, uh, to get the rest of all of their off season plans. And by they, I mean all of the baseball teams. Um, so we've had just a flurry of moves, um, so today on, on this show, we're going to get you caught up with the two Red Sox signings that they made, talk about the bullpen, um, we'll talk about what Bloom's strategy is for the remainder of the offseason, the free agents still out there, uh, a couple trades that went down that the Red Sox were not involved in, 
And uh, we'll, we'll brush you up on the new CBA before we get to all of your listener questions. And it was nice to see uh, the listeners come back to life as well after baseball came back to life, too, because uh, we got a lot of questions. So I was I was pretty impressed with that. You sure did. All right, let's get right to it, Keaton. Um, the two signings that the Red Sox made were uh, Jake Diekman, a left-handed relief pitcher, and Matt Strom, also a left-handed relief pitcher. I'll give you the basics on these guys. Diekman's 35. He has a great K rate, but locks, walks a lot of guys, uh, throws a fastball slider changeup, effective versus both righties and lefties. Uh, they signed him to a two-year, $8 million deal, with a $4 million AAV. Uh, he's got a career ERA of 3.73. And then the other guy was Matt Strom. They signed him to a one-year deal worth $3 bucks. Uh, he's sort of the exact opposite profile of Diekman. He doesn't strike out many guys, gets a lot of ground balls, has excellent command, doesn't walk a lot of guys. Uh, and he's got a pitch mix that kind of resembles a starter. He's got a fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. He's 30 years old, better versus righties than lefties uh, in a career 3.81 ERA. So what do you think about these signings, Keaton? Not exactly Freddie Freeman here. <laughs> no, and we will definitely get to that. Um, initially, I was I was excited about Diekman because I know that he has some high leverage experience over there with Oakland and got some saves um, when I pulled up the old fan graphs. And it's basically like we're running back out of Vino. Right. Yeah. Or Matt <laughs> like, Barnes. Yeah. It's like or the that. same guy, you know? Yeah. Um, double digit K per nine. That's nice to see, but five on the old walk per nine. Uh, that's a bit of an issue. Also seven for 14 on save opportunities. That's not ideal. So <laughs> that's certainly could be doing better, but then also at this point in the off season, it's not like we're, well, I mean, well, there's some top free agents still available, but, um, we actually talked about uh, some potential options where the Red Sox could go for some cheap late-inning arms. This was not one of the directions we mentioned, um, but it was certainly one of the avenues they could have pursued. I do like Strom, though, because uh, this bullpen has a massive walk problem, uh, and Strom doesn't do that. So I think he is actually going to find himself in a nice role in this bullpen. Even though he doesn't strike out a lot of people, he is going to get outs, and that is something that this bullpen is really going to need. So I'm looking forward to that. Diekman is going to be – it's just going to be like another wild card. It's basically it's like we're going to get, what, like two or so months of Matt Barnes being your closer. Uh, then we'll probably get like two months of Diekman being the closer, and then we'll probably flip and you know maybe it's Whitlock. Don't know if he's going to be a starter or not. We'll see how the spring training goes, but – uh, maybe we even start with Whitlock as the closer. Then he's going to need to be a starter at some point, and then it's going to be a mess. So it kind of feels like we're running back the same giant question marks in the bullpen uh, that we had last year. And when we got to the final month and a half of the season, it was not fun and, quite frankly, a disaster to have Garrett Richards lead the team in saves over the last 60 games. I don't want to do that again. I'd rather have something a bit more firm in place and, uh, you know, we'll get to some free agents that are still out there and uh, one potential solution. Uh, so I hope this means they're not done. I don't mind Diekman if they don't plan on trying to like heavily rely on him for saves. Um, but it just kind of like fits a mold that we've already tried 
and was stressful enough that I didn't really want to do it again. But here we are. Yeah, I agree. Um, the word that comes to mind with these two signings is underwhelming. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, Deekman's fine. Um, and, and like you said, if you didn't have a couple Deekmans already uh, in that bullpen, it might be a little bit more exciting. You know, a guy come in and get a big strikeout in a big situation. Uh, that's cool. But, you know, the risk of, of walking that guy is is also right on the table. So, I agree with you. I'm a little bit more excited about Matt Strom just because he's something different. Um, but yeah, I mean, neither of these moves really move the needle for me too much. I know you looked at their pitch mix a little bit closer. I mean, what, what are we what are we talking about with the stuff these guys have? Yeah, well, the thing that stood out to me with Deekman is that he actually throws his slider pretty much the same amount uh, to left-handers as right-handers, and that's not typical at all. Uh, that's not usually a pitch that works um, effectively enough to both hands that you would throw it that often. It was his second most thrown pitch in 2021, a total of 362 times, good for a 32% share of his pitches. Uh, and it was basically an even split. Uh, 178 went to righties, 184 went to lefties. Mm. Uh, but it was his most effective pitch uh 47 whiff rate that is damn near elite yeah so that's that's a pretty devastating pitch so um if they can find some way to to reel those walks in um but it's like we're saying this about like a 34 year old 35 year old so it's like it's not a prospect at this point like he is who he is if he hasn't figured it out by now i don't think he's going to (laughs) but um but the red sox they love their their sliders, man, and their pitchers that have good ones. And he's got a good one, so uh, he's gonna he's gonna have some real nasty pitches, and we're gonna be like, "Dang!" If only he was more consistent. And it's gonna be like Matt Barnes, Darwin's and Hernandez, Adam Ottavino all over again. Same crew of guys doing the same same frustrating stuff on the mound. Yeah, well, at least we'll get some cool uh, cool uh, gifs on sp- uh, pitching ninja with these yeah. guys. So. Um, but speaking of the guys you just mentioned, who, who does this push out of the bullpen? A uh, couple names that come to mind for me are Darwinson, who you just mentioned, um, maybe Eduardo, uh, Edward Bizzardo, um, or Austin Davis. I, I mean, uh, I'm kind of just spitballing here, but who do you think ends up being the odd men out with these two firmly entrenched in the pen? Yeah, I think it's Darwinson to begin the year. Although, I mean, I've been done with um, Ryan Brady. It's funny because, so last fall, we were talking about how this team really kind of had like a lack of left-handed arms, which wasn't necessarily their fault. Like Darwinson was hurt. So some of their options weren't available um, that they had, but they, they had limited options kind of to begin with. Um, and then they added two, and now they have like a left-handed dominant bullpen at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> right now, which is which is kind of funny. Um, so you would think it's probably um, Darwin's and definitely has. I don't know, does Austin Davis? What's his? He doesn't have much service time, right? He's twenty-nine. Yeah, I'm not sure what his situation is. Let me just check that real quick. Uh, let's. It's see. one of those two. It's probably Darwin's because Darwin's had just 
horrific walk rates at like seven per nine. <laughs> yeah, so. D- Davis is out of options, so he has to stay up, yeah, or else so they risk losing him. So there you go. That's Darwinson. He's he's. I mean, we clearly we can tolerate a five walk per nine. Seven's out of the question. So he's, he's got to tone that down just a tad there at AAA before we bring him back up. Yeah, it's kind of weird. This bullpen is is so odd right now because, you know, you look at the back of it and Garrett Whitlock is clearly your best pitcher. And he, if you go to roster resource, um, which I go to religiously, Garrett Whitlock is, is dialed in as the closer there. But I don't think Garrett Whitlock's going to be the closer uh, for this team, simply because all of the uh, talk that we've heard is that they want to kind of stretch him out and and have him be able to swing between other rotation in the bullpen. And frankly, I think he's more valuable in the rotation uh, than he is in the bullpen. And, you know, you mentioned the uh, bullpen being sort of left-hand heavy now and, and the righties who are in the bullpen, I think I have more questions about than the lefties. Who are in the bullpen at this point? I mean, what the hell are we going to get out of Hirokazu Sawamura? He was good for part of the year last year. Uh, wasn't good for the other part. Ryan Brazier, who the hell knows? Matt Barnes, I mean, that that second half to that season was about as brutal a second half as you could have. So at this point, it feels like, cool, I'm good with the lefties. I like Josh Taylor. Deekman's fine. Strom seems good. Even Austin Davis, like, you kind of know what you're getting. But... Uh, you need your dominant righties in that pen too. And like, they just don't have that guy outside of Whitlock unless you wanted to turn to Hauk in that situation. And, you know, I would, I would love to see Hauk in this pen over Brazier or Salamora or one of those other guys. I, I think it would be foolhardy not to have him in that situation. Yeah. I mean, it might not be a bad idea to, see how he does as a closer if he wasn't so damn useful as a long reliever kind of guy but i feel like you might be i mean given who so as you mentioned roster resource given the five that you have there penciled in i mean um you're probably not getting a full season of innings at a rich hill um you're hoping for the rest to probably do that but to me i would rather have whitluck be your closer for the year and use Hauk as your next man up in the rotation just because of how volatile everything else is. Um, mm. I agree potentially with uh, having Hauk in the bullpen, but then when you need to go to that starter to stretch them out, I think I'd rather turn to Hauk first and keep Whitlock in the closer role. Cause then what do you do after that? Is Are you, so let's let's say that the five are in the rotation uh, on, on roster resource. That's Evaldi, Sale, Pavetta Hill, and Waka. They start the season as the as the five starters. Are you preferring Whitlock start the season as the closer? Uh, no, uh, I would go back to Barnes. <coughs> I would I would uh, I'd probably give it to Barnes to see what he can do with it. And I want to keep Whitlock available for one of those roster spots. I'm kind of the opposite of you with that situation. Um, I want to see how can the bullpen full time. And I know that that's probably not going to happen. And, you know, a lot of people think like that's kind of crazy. He's been predicted as a big breakout guy for this year. And he had some really good starts last year. But to me, the skill set is just like I, I think he's a potential 
top five reliever in the game if he's used exclusively out of the bullpen. And I think he's always going to struggle with his pitch mix as a starter. Whereas I look at Garrett Whitlock's stuff and he has three really good pitches and I'm like, yeah, no brainer. This dude's a starter. Maybe. I mean, I did the, uh, I wrote up the one big question for Tanner Houck um, about a month ago, actually, I think. Uh, I wrote about how he can be a successful uh, starter, and I, I'm buying into it because he has three good pitches. He just doesn't throw them enough. He still kind of relies on being a two-pitch pitcher, but he has a third pitch, and it's really effective for him. He just doesn't throw it enough. He only throws it 7% of the time. What so, is that third pitch that you're referencing? Because he's, he's tinkered with a couple. Yeah, it's the splitter that he learned prior mm-hmm. to 2020. Yeah. It was just as effective as a slider. He just didn't throw it enough. Um, and, you know, it may be, you know, some throwing it more may have it regress. Some it may not be as effective as a slider with a higher volume of throw, uh, like percentage thrown. Uh, but even with aggression, with some regression, it would still be a really, really effective pitch. And maybe like so, twenty twenty one was was his first full season throwing it. So maybe it was him still kind of getting the feel of it. But all like the spin rates, the whiff rates, the put away rates, all everything was there. Mm-hmm. All of like the tertiary, tertiary deep stats were there on the pitch. He just didn't throw it enough. Yeah. And I just I want him to throw it, but if he's not going to do it, then you're right. He needs to be in the bullpen. But he has the third pitch. He just won't throw it, which is like it's it's frustrating to see a pitch be that good and him just not trust it. <laughs> which which I'm hoping that now having gone through an entire season with it, he does. But it's I don't know. Right now he doesn't have a spot you know listed anywhere, so we'll see where he ends up going. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're being completely honest, the ideal situation is that um, both Hauk and Whitlock prove that they have three pitches that could make them both reliable starting pitchers, and that next year, instead of having Waka and Hill, we have uh, Whitlock and Hauk entrenched in that rotation, yeah. and maybe those guys great. can can take over and, uh, you know... It's a great problem to have if you have to send Walker to the pen because uh, one of those two guys takes a step forward or, you know, Rich Hill gets hurt and he's 42 years old and just calls it. Um, and, you know, you have those guys in the rotation. So uh, I, I think that is best case scenario is that both of those guys uh, can be starters because the idea of both those guys working out coupled with Eovaldi, Sale, and Pavetta, that seems pretty damn good, um, especially yeah. with Eovaldi being up uh, after this year. So something you, you definitely got to hope for that uh, coming to fruition. Yeah. It's a little bit encouraging. He doubled his usage from 2020 to 2021, but it was like he still only threw it – or slightly more than doubled. He only threw it 3% of the time in 2020. He went to 7% in 2021. So he at least did feel good enough to throw it a lot more, but it still wasn't enough. So – We'll see how it goes. All right. So uh, enough about those two guys. We probably spent more time than anybody ever has talking about Deakman and Strom. Uh, <laughs> so we'll move on from there. But um, so the the big thing that has happened since this CBA has been uh, reached is that the offseason has kind of exploded again because of all that downtime. I think it was 
99 days that this lockout lasted and throughout that time baseball couldn't make any moves uh and now all of the uh you know player uh movement is happening within this really truncated window before um <laughs> the season starts on April 7th and uh you know spring training is already underway right now as we speak um and there are still a lot of free agents out there so there's been just a crazy flurry of trades and signings and all this stuff. And Bloom is just uh, just sitting around, uh, not really doing a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't really understand why he's slow rolling this thing so much. Uh, he gave a little press conference the other day, said he was being nimble or that the team was nimble or some shit like that. I don't really uh, quite understand what good being nimble is if... You know, you're the Red Sox and you're not out there spending money. Uh, it's starting to get to the point where it's a little bit frustrating because, like, you look at the Mookie trade that happened when he was first here and you look at the financials of this team and he's done some really good things to beef up the farm system and he's made some moves around the roster that, you know, seem to put this team in a pretty good financial position to strike, uh, yet he is just not striking uh and it is is a little bit frustrating it has me uh having flashbacks to ben charrington it is and i it's only been like what a week or less than a week or about a week since feels like the, three but yes <laughs> you're right it does feel like three <laughs> but it has only been a week since the new cba was signed and there's still a ton of free agents out there but i'm basically thinking there's like one of two options there's um they are really in on all of these guys that they're rumored to be in on um or they're saving it for extensions for bogart's endeavors um i hope that they are going to get the extensions done uh, particularly because like their whole philosophy of this was like financial flexibility and they freed it up with the trades and all these other moves previously. And then the new CBA gave them another $20 million to the first luxury tax. So they got plenty of financial flexibility right now to do whatever the hell they want. Um, Senator Brogart spoke today about uh, his extension with, uh, which we'll probably get into in a, in a little bit, but uh, he, both he and Devers are hoping to get something done soon. And I think you and I are both in agreement that we'd love to have those guys here for a very long time. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that's the holdup. That's those two guys and they're, that's the priority. Uh, but also there's a ton of free agents, uh, big name free agents that are still out there. Freeman, Correa, um, Story, Suzuki, guys that they, uh, Schwarber also too, guys that they have been linked with, um, you know, prior to the lockout, even kind of during the lockout. Um, and then Freeman was really kind of the new one today, um, which I don't know if it's real or not because there's like some red flags that say it's not, but then also some things that may make sense um, that say like maybe it is real. But I would get real annoyed because this is like the – this is like the – fresh out of the uh, the John Henry PR playbook of keeping fans happy while not spending money is to be in on everybody, sign no one, and then be like, well, we tried, right? Yeah. So I really hope that shit is behind us because that is annoying as hell, especially for the Boston Red Sox who are rich. So 
it would be really frustrating if we're still in that era of this financial flexibility crap. It'd be really freaking annoying. Yeah, I mean, this is the uh, this is the year that we kind of earmarked for the year that they uh, start spending money uh, after you know Bloom got in here, and I think we've we've all been plenty patient with uh, him getting the books in position to to do something. And uh, we're finally in that position. Also, the CBA was raised by twenty million bucks from two ten to two thirty. That's one of the things that we'll mention. When we talk about the CBA later, but I mean, you're right. Freeman Correa, Castiano, Story, Bryant, Schwarber, uh, Kenley Jansen, Seiya Suzuki. All these guys are out there. Xander doesn't have an extension. Devers doesn't have an extension. Um, I think Bloom needs to give extensions to at least Devers. I think he should give one to Bogarts. And I think that he needs to sign at least one of those guys I just mentioned. And anything short of that to me is just kind of head scratching. Um, you know, you, you said it. We're, we're the Boston Red Sox. We are the Red Sox. You, there's no coming in second place with uh, signing free agents. This team prints money. They spent $100 million in the offseason on upgrades at Fenway Park. Um, you know, they've... They need to go get their guy. And if somebody else wants a guy more, just outbid them. Like, you can do that. The Yankees aren't really doing that anymore. Someone has to do it. You got to do it. It's It seems like the Dodgers are the only team doing that to teams these days. Yeah, $100 million to upgrade Fenway. You're going to spend 70 bucks to sit in a seat with a pole in your face. So. <laughs> but, yeah, that's – I mean, the two extensions I think are a must. And – Xander Bogart's comments today, stark contrast uh, from his comments mere months ago before the lockout. I had to go dig it up because I thought, honestly, for for a minute that I had misspoke on the last podcast and like mischaracterized Bogart's comments. Um, but I, Jake, I sent, I sent you the, the piece. Mm-hmm. On October 27th, he was asked about his extension and also asked about uh, potentially moving off of shortstop to accommodate that. And he was he said he had no problem moving to third or second. Today, he's like, I'm a shortstop, and I feel like people forget that I'm still here and I'm on the team. And uh, so, some of that was directed towards the media, but I feel like some of that was also directed towards the Red Sox themselves and like, hey, guys, you have a shortstop. Why yeah. are you looking to sign one kind of thing? Um, first of all, Xander Bogarts doesn't talk all that often publicly. So when he says stuff, it carries a lot of weight, which is the point that I made on the last pod. When he spoke out about being fine, moving off of a position, I felt that actually said quite a lot because he doesn't usually say that kind of thing. Him now coming out today saying, yeah, I'm a shortstop. I don't want to stick at shortstop and you should pay me and give you an extension. That says a lot. Sounds like he's fed up and he doesn't want, he kind of sees that potential writing on the wall uh, internally that he's about to get mookied and he's unhappy about it. And I don't think it should make us very happy about it either because I think we all hoped that was going to be kind of a one-off thing with Mookie and we were going to continually see fan favorite stars in their prime shipped out of here because uh, that's real frustrating. That's not a thing Boston Red Sox do. We bring yeah. those guys into this team. We don't ship them away. So, that I mean, that would be infuriating for within like two years for that to happen twice. Uh, it would just be kind of like 
just an absolute uprising against the organization and Bloom. And it's just, I can't actually, like, I just can't picture it in my mind that actually happening. But same thing, now is absolutely the time for Devers, and I think you got to sign one of those free agents, like you said, and sounds like Correa and Story's out if you're going to extend Bogarts and keep him at short. Um, Say Suzuki, still a great option. The Freeman one is interesting, so that's the one that came up today. So the real obvious things that make that sound unrealistic, uh, immediately uh, the Yankees are in on him, the Jays are in on him, and the Rays are in on him. The three teams <laughs> that you are fighting for the division. So sure, yeah, it makes sense that you would jump in there and try and rise up the price, not actually have any interest in him, just drive up the price for your division competitors. That makes a ton of sense. You also have uh, – I had to tweet this out because immediately when the, it was rumored that the Red Sox were running on Freddie Freeman, there was a lot of Bobby Dahlbuck fans – <laughs> who were infuriated that the Red Sox would even entertain another option in first base, okay. which is kind of wild. Yeah. We know Tristan Casas is on his way, and Bobby Dahlbach is a fine bridge for that. Um, so if you were to bring Freeman in, you're shipping him out, sending him elsewhere, and then you could, like with Devers, Casas, and Freeman, kind of like first base, third base, DH, work the three of them around in some form or fashion. Um that part makes sense. Kind of fits. It's a, it's a bit of like a squint and you see it kind of thing, but there are a bunch of moving parts to every roster every year. You can kind of see it working out that way. Uh, the other piece being it, it's going to cost a buttload of money, and apparently the Red Sox don't want to do that. So I don't know if it's a pro or a con, but um, immediately it's just kind of hits you in the face that's like, yeah, obviously the other three teams that are competing in the division are in. You're going to get in there and drive the prices. This is never actually going to happen kind of thing. Yeah, I I agree, um, and we're gonna get more into Freeman than the rumors a little bit later. Um, but the the thing that just doesn't jive with that is, yeah, we we've been talking about free agents ad nauseum since the season ended, and Freeman's a name that just never came up because it just didn't seem to make any sense with the roster, like you said. So I tend to lean more more towards uh, the fact that they're trying to drive the price up, like you said. But I want to get back to the Xander piece here, um, because that is of particular importance to me. It's no secret. Uh, Xander Bogarts has been my favorite baseball player on this team, um, you know, since he was a prospect, really. Um, and he's been on the team for eight years. And I think what you said about him speaking out today really means a lot because, you know, Xander's a guy who debuted here in 2013, won a World Series in 2013, won one in 2018, has been an integral part of this team every single year. He's been extremely durable. He's been a team leader. They talk about what, you know, a glue he is in that clubhouse. He's multilingual, all these different great qualities that he has. And for him to come out and change his tone like that, the what I read into that is that his phone probably didn't ring at all in the offseason from the Red Sox trying to negotiate anything. And every time he probably saw news about free agents swirling and he saw like Red Sox rumored to be correct, uh, connected to Correa or story or something like that. That's got to eat away at you as a guy for eight years. Who's put up numbers like him. Sure. He's not some defensive wizard, but he's not, you know, 
he's not as bad a defender as the metrics point out that he is. He's we've we've talked about the fact that he's steady, but he just means so much to this franchise. He's done absolutely everything perfect since he's been here. And if they haven't been talking about an extension with him, like that's that's shameful. And it, the way that he's speaking makes me feel like that's the case. Like I have to think that if they picked up the phone and they were like, Xander, we want you to retire as a Red Sox, but you're going to have to do it as a second baseman. Like I don't think the tone is the way that it is today when he said those comments because he just doesn't strike me as that type of guy who's like, no, I'm, I'm a shortstop over anything else. Like I think Xander feels like he's a Red Sox above everything else. He seems to really like this organization. I don't think they're giving him a fair shake here. No, that's exactly what he said in October. And then there was a bunch of pieces from all of the Red Sox outlets that were like, okay, then this is the perfect time to extend him because you can move him to second. You can sign a stud like Correa and Story in this offseason, lock up the middle, lock up the lineup, and then your future is set, and then extend Devers, and then you have this incredible lineup for years to come. And it's like him being flexible allows you to do all of these other things. And then you let that window pass, and now he's pissed. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. great, excellent. Now we can go through this all again. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, if, if they screw up this Xander situation, um, man, it's going to take me a really, really long time to forgive the team. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Out of these free agents, though, you mentioned the the Freeman thing. We got a couple listener questions about the Freeman thing. We got one from a great big lark. He says if they're serious about Freeman, seems like the idea would be to shop Dahlbeck and have a Freeman Casas split DH duties in one to two years. Goodbye to JD. Um, and then we have another one here, obviously excited about the Freeman rumors. Um, how would you construct the lineup fielding positions if we did snag him both for opening day? And when Casas is ready to play, I, I think that uh, a great big lark is right, that Dahlbeck is definitely the one who's gone here. And JD is the guy who he's, his contract is up. So there's no way you'd keep Dahlbeck in JD in a scenario where you sign Freeman and you have Casas coming up unless you were to trade Casas for pitching. In which case, it just, it again, it just doesn't seem to fit. No, I mean, Cassis is probably not ready opening day. He's probably a couple months 
away. Uh, I mean, the Red Sox have a history of being really aggressive with their hitting prospects. Uh, and he did get a little taste of the AAA last year, so maybe he's not that far away. But top prospects also notoriously don't immediately adjust to major league hitting. So we're not, I wouldn't really expect him to be like super effective right away either. Um, so I don't, I think you're, you're not trying to ship him off for really anything. Dalbuck definitely odd man out, but, um, I don't think you're trying to force Casas into playing time either in either scenario, unless Dalbuck is absolutely in the toilet and you don't really have any other choice. Uh, but even if like, if Dalbuck's hitting like 240, 250, um, hitting a bomb every now and then. I don't think you're trying to force Casas into the lineup and put too much pressure on him to succeed because I think we've seen that hurt guys like him more than help. And I, with his talent, I just don't want to do anything that's going to wreck it. I just want to let his skills take over and just let him be him. Yeah, he needs every day at bats too to continue to develop. So yeah. there's no way you're bringing Casas up in June if you're signing Freeman and you still have J.D. Martinez on the team. I think the only way you're signing Freeman and getting Casas the playing time he needs at the big league level is if you are shipping out Dahlbeck and you are sending out JD in the last year of his deal and you're playing both Freeman and Casas pretty much every day. Yep. So it there's a lot of moving pieces to that. So and, and I'm just not sure what type of return you can really expect even with the NLDH for a year of J.D. Martinez or, you know, the remaining years that, that Dahlbeck has. I'm, I'm just not sure what that trade value is, and I don't know. Also I, could be an injury that does it, too. I mean, Martinez sure. has had back injuries, uh, back issues. So it could be some. I mean, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't plan on that being the way to that bats for Casas, but, yeah, I mean – I wouldn't uh, basically I'm just not trying to force him into at bats and I would just kind of let it happen knowing that there is the window for him to have every day at bats a year from now um and just like having Freddie Freeman get those at bats is right now would be better than having Casas get those at bats yeah yeah I, I think we can agree with that I think I'd just rather see the money spent elsewhere uh, in the roster. Yep. So I would agree. Um, all right. So one of the other things that has been frustrating to me, uh, aside from bloom, just not going out and spending any money on marquee free agents or locking up Xander or, uh, Devers has been, uh, inactivity in the trade market. And in particular, uh, in the past week, two starting pitchers who, one of which I thought would be a wonderful fit uh, for the Red Sox. Chris Bassett uh, was traded, and Sonny Gray was also traded from the Reds. Both of those guys did not get huge returns. Um, Bassett pretty much went for um, JT Ginn, who was a you know a pretty good pitching prospect, but nothing you know otherworldly. And then Sonny Gray just went for first rounder uh, from last year, Chase Petty, also a pitching prospect with two pitches. Um, Neither of those guys were of the level of like a top three guy in the Red Sox system. You know, York and Casas and Meyer are way ahead of those guys in terms of prospect pedigree. It seems like the Red Sox could have pretty easily put together a package that could have beat uh, that offer. 
um, from their system, especially with all the depth that Bloom has added. So, like, are we really just totally good with Rich Hill and Michael Waka uh, and, and Nick Pavetta, who could turn back into a pumpkin, and, you know, Chris Sale, who we don't know what he's going to be like. Like, I have confidence Chris Sale's going to be Chris Sale again, but we really haven't seen that yet. It just seems... I don't get it. I, I don't get what the hell he's doing. Like, what's the point of all this money and all this prospect depth if we're not even going to chase guys like Chris Bassett when they come onto the market for a reasonable price? I don't know. Um, but what about Shamanaya Frankie Montas, also Oakland Athletics pitchers currently being discussed in the market? Would you have any interest in either of them? Sure, I definitely have interest in in Montas, but you know the cost. These are guys. All three of these guys I wrote up in the early off season about potential trade targets for the Red Sox. And the thing with Montas and Manaya is that both of those guys have a lot more team control, um, so they're going to cost a whole hell of a lot more. And I thought that Bassett, you know, being on that one year deal, um, was really attractive because of the perceived low price that he could go for. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Manaya is in his fourth year of arbitration, so he may not be that bad. But, yeah, Montas, wow. Montas, surprised by how much control Montas has. But, yeah, I'm completely with you. Um, and that kind of adds to the frustration, right? It's not only um, that they haven't extended their own guys yet or signed any uh, other, you know, it's just kind of they've had these small underwhelming free agent signings they haven't even done anything in the trade market that's been like that was a nice move <laughs> it's it's just been another underwhelming offseason so far and it's been frustrating to watch um given that we had pegged this offseason as something that should have been much more exciting so far obviously it was broken up by the lockout and all that stuff and again it's only been a week since all this stuff has been put together but Watching other teams be a lot more active, particularly in the trades, like the, the like you mentioned, the past few days the trades have picked up like crazy, and then for like not even to be even rumored to have like reached out or been inquired about any of these guys, and just kind of letting it go. It's like why would you have not? It seems like you're right. It seems like they're fine going into this year with Brichill and Walken. Maybe they have something up their sleeve, but I, I mean, it's not a long term solution. I mean, why not? try and find something like that unless they really think that Whitlock and how could do that. But I don't think there's a higher probability that's going to work out. Even if you do think Whitlock and how can do that, like why aren't you floating Tanner Houck as part of a package to the Reds right now to go get Luis Castillo? Like that is what you do. Yeah. If you're the Red Sox, you go get other teams aces who are selling them off Especially, teams are high on Hulk right now, it seems. So, you know, go make that upgrade, man. You were a freaking playoff team last year. Like, how far did the Red Sox make it? ALCS last year. You're the team that should be making moves. Also, Luis Castillo coming off uh, not a great year last year. 3.98 ERA. Now's the time. Put Luis Castillo in big league camp with Pedro Martinez to chirp in his ear. 
Oh, and Lord. That changeup is going to be go from otherworldly <laughs> to Pedro levels, potentially. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. I, I don't want to like, I don't want it to sound like I'm completely bagging on Bloom because I do like some of the things that he's done since he's been here. But this offseason has been tremendously disappointing so far. Yeah, and so there's it's kind of like a two-prong thing here. Like, sure, it's only been a week since the CBA has been in place, right? But also this spring training is significantly shorter than it normally would. Yep. So it's like there's a finite window you have to get things done that you need to get done. So what you going to do? Yeah, you got to make moves. You got to get these guys ready to go. It's it's already uh, kind of jarring the fact that these teams weren't able to be in contact with these players for the last you know three months or so, um, and now they have to figure out how to play uh, baseball games in you know less than a month. So there's a lot going on. All right. Speaking of that CBA though. Um, there are a lot of new things that came out of the CBA. We mentioned a couple of them, uh, you know, the the uh, luxury tax thresholds being raised and all these different things. But, uh, Keaton, you uh, have been looking at this a little bit. You want to give us the relevant details about the new CBA that finally was reached? Sure. Uh, so the major highlights, uh, minimum salary... Uh, gets a nice little bump uh, for 2022. It's at 700000 and goes up $20,000 a year over the next five years. Uh, we talked about the competitive balance threshold that goes up to 230 and then 233 237 241 244 They also added a fourth level of uh, – so the percentage thresholds stayed the same, which I believe was 20, 30, and 50, and then they added a fourth if you're uh, sixty million over, which, yeah, that's the uh, Steve Cohen tax. Yeah, which Evan Drelli mentions the Steve Cohen tax uh, draft lottery for the top six selections. Everybody that does not make the playoffs will uh, get tossed into the old ping pong machine for the top six selections. So that'll be fun. Uh, international draft, which was the last big holdup, uh, MLB and MLBPA still negotiating on that. We'll have until July 25th to try and figure that out. Um, rules changes. This is an interesting one. So the MLB has uh, 45 days or will has only has to give 45-day notice to implement uh, any rules changes. Uh, Universal DH in both leagues and then uh, top three in Rookie of the Year voting uh, or if they get in the top, or players that get in the top five for MVP and Cy Young voting rookies, that is, will be given a full year of eligibility. That's pretty cool. Full year yeah. of service time. That's awesome. Yeah, service time. Oh, yeah, the expanded postseason. Yep. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing, too. Six postseason teams rather than five with the top two teams getting a bye. Um, I think one of the biggest gains for the players in this new CBA is definitely that that minimum salary uh, going up by so much went up by I don't know almost two hundred grand or something uh, over the the course of that you know escalating scale there 
Uh, and they're finally in line with some of the other major league sports uh, in terms of, you know, that minimum salary. And especially with the league being so dependent on players who are pre-arbitration, uh, that's a huge win for the union right there. What did you think about that? Yeah. No, I thought that was great. It's definitely a step in the right direction. It's still a little bit behind, um, but nice to see that continue to step up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I thought it was cool that they made that pool of money um, to be divided amongst pre-arb players as well. Who, uh, oh, yeah, I did forget to mention that. That's up to $50 million. Yep, that, that's the $50 million pool. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, overall, I think it's a win uh, for the players. It's not a complete win, uh, but they definitely clawed back some of that territory. Uh, that had been slipping over the last two CBAs. So I, I definitely think young players are in a better position uh, going forward, and I, I like the things that they've done to try and uh, dissuade tanking. I think there's some rules in there as well about how many years that you can uh, be eligible for one of those top six picks too. If You you can't just like continuously uh, be in that. There's I think they they did something as well where... Like if you are a bottom six pick uh, for two years in a row, I think the lowest you can or the highest you can pick is 10th or the lowest you can pick is 10th uh, after that. So it does kind of incentivize teams to try and spend money and get better. Um, so there there are a number of things in, in the uh, CBA that are trying to get young players in the game more, get them paid better and... Uh, dissuade teams from tanking. So it'll be really interesting to see how those things play out. All right, moving on from the CBA talk, let's get to some listener questions here. Uh, The first one that we haven't addressed yet comes from Sam Biggs, and he says, which prospects, if any, would you be most comfortable using as a trade piece? Blaze Jordan and Jeter Downs are two I'd consider offering if the right player became available. What do you think about this, Keaton? Yeah, I think... Um, I would like to hold on to the top four looking at MLB.com's list of top prospects and the rest of them fine. Uh, that's Marcelo Meyer, Tristan Casas, Jaron Duran, Nick York, and the rest of them okay. Yeah, I'll even go a step further there. I would say the top three uh, except for Jaron Duran because uh, I, I actually have Nick York ahead of Jaron Duran. Um, yep. So I would... I'd make sure you hang on to Costas York and, and Meyer and anyone else that can get you a useful piece to help you win now. Let's do it. Yeah, I feel I mean like Duran would be the guy that I'm on the fence. I still just I want to see him get consistent at bats and see what happens. But I, th- I think that's going to be the hardest thing for him with this team is getting consistent at bats. I just don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. Which is yeah, a bummer. But so if that happens somewhere else, sure, why not? All right, next one comes from Brer Baseball, and he says, Devers extension happens before end of season, yes or no? Uh, fifth starter, if no other starters are added, Hauka starter or a bullpen guy at the end of season? All right, let's address the first one here. Does a Devers extension happen before the end of the season? Yes. God, you're optimistic. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the manifesting it. <sighs> No, I'm I feel no. this is the thing. I feel like if it doesn't happen, yeah. right, then 
I, I really don't want to think this way, but I feel like if it doesn't happen, uh-huh. and they don't do Bogarts, Bogarts is gone. Uh-huh. And if they don't get Devers, then Devers is gone. And yeah. I cannot fathom an era where Mookie, Bogarts, and Devers are all gone, one right after another in their prime from the goddamn Boston Red Sox. Do not speak this evil to me. That's um, what I'm saying. So it's going to happen. Devers is going to get extended. And so is Bogarts. I, I know you didn't I think ask if about it Bogarts, happens, so If Devers' extension happens, it happens before the season starts, in my opinion. I don't think it happens in season. Yeah, well, he said before the end of the season. Before the season starts is before the end of the season. I think if it's going to happen, it happens before the season starts. I'm not optimistic. And I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how optimistic I am either. Okay. Next one here. Says, how a starter or bullpen guy by the end of the season? I say bullpen. What say you? I think bullpen but i hope and i want starter okay fair enough um all right next question comes from brendan he says how many innings do you expect to see out of waka and hill i'll let you go first uh boy um Hundred from Hill, one hundred fifteen from Waka. Wow, that's I pretty was, low. Let me go one hundred and thirty from Waka. I'm gonna go my the number in my head for Waka was a hundred, so I'm gonna go a hundred. Oh wow! Waka. <laughs> and for Hill, I'm gonna go seventy. Ooh, I don't, I don't have. You a know, lot he of went faith. like one forty last year. He went one fifty eight point uh, in, in yeah. two thirds. One fifty eight and two thirds. Uh, which was the second highest mark of his career. Uh, I don't think he's doing that again. Uh, the 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 two years before that, he didn't come anywhere close. I mean, granted, twenty twenty was a shortened year, but um, yeah, no, no, not at forty two. He's thrown seventy innings that are decent. That's it. Don't feel good about it. Uh, Trevor Brum says, what's the max dollar amount or uh, year, both dollar amount and year amount you would sign Devers in Bogart's extensions for? Let's start with uh, Devers since we've been talking about him quite a bit. Yeah. So my favorite website of all the websites, well, that's probably Fangraphs, but Spotrack is a very close second. Uh, what about OverTheMonster.com? Big fan. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Dynasty Guru. So yeah. It's yeah, top five. <laughs> top five website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have his calculated market value as a $29.2 million AAV. Eight years, $233 million uh, deal is what they would be projecting mm-hmm. for our good old friend Raphael. Yep. That sounds great to me. I do eight and two thirty three. It's kind of funny you say that. Um in my head, the number I was thinking for max years for Devers was eight. And the number I was thinking for millions of dollars was two fifty. Um which is over that, but not by a Who ton. Needs and I'd be totally you got fine. Jake Dev. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, like eight and two fifty sounds right to yeah. me. What about Bogey? Well, they don't have his market value. Um, well, you, you have so me. I was kind of hoping. I do have you. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, for, I'll, I'll give my Bogarts one. Sure. Seven years. Two hundred and ten. So you'd go 30 a year. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It is. But it's bogey. I mean, that's almost the same AAV as you're giving Devers, who's five years younger. And whose body you think is going to age better? <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. Five years better than that? I don't know. 30 AAV seems like a lot. Uh, seven years, I'm okay with that. Take until he's 35. Yeah. Or, no, 36. 36. Yeah. Yeah. I guess 36. Yep. I'd go seven at 25 AAV. 30 just seems like this is a touch too high. Anywhere between 25 and 30 for Bogey would be fine with me. Yeah. Split the difference. Let's call it 7 and 28. What does that put us at? 200? Um, I didn't have a... 198. I think it puts us at 198. I'd be fine. Give him an average... Give him 200. 196. Yeah. Awesome. Give him the extra 4 million and make him feel good. Sure. I'm there. Give it to him in bonuses or in Lamborghinis. <laughs> All right. Next question here uh, comes from Cody Hudman. And he says, what would be your ideal starting outfield, including free agents and trades? And what do you think it will actually end up as? Well, ideal would be Trout, Soto, <laughs> Harper, Cunha. <laughs> yeah, Cunha is your fourth outfielder. I don't know. Like, ideal would be pretty good. Um, let's talk about what it might actually end up as. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Verdugo for sure. Yep. Um, Wait, which one are we doing? Are we doing ideal or what we actually think? No, what we actually think, okay. including free agents and trades. Uh, well, oh. no. Well, uh, ideal is kind of crazy. Um, all right, let's 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 do this. We'll do two versions. One with the team as it is. And one with them signing one of the uh, free agents we talked about. Okay. Well, Verdugo is a lock. Yep, I agree with that. I would like to see... I just realized Roster Resource has two right fielders listed, which is kind of funny. (laughs) They have JBJ and Verdugo both listed as right field and no left field. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, I would prefer Enrique to be a second baseman. Oh, interesting. And I'd like Duran just to get at bats. 
would be my preference somewhere. But then that means Jackie JBJ is going to play center. And I don't like him actually playing every day. I'd prefer him to be your fourth. Right. Um, so I think Enrique's got to play center. So he's got to be in center. You got to have Verdugo out there. And then I would prefer Duran in there over JBJ. So that would be how I would do it, I guess. As is now. Right. I would love to get Suzuki in there. <laughs> Suzuki just seems like the best fit possible out of out of all of the free agents that we talked about, uh, you know, outfield options, guys like Conforto and Casty and Schwarber and, and Bryant. I'd rather pay the guy who can actually play a solid outfield in Suzuki and is in his prime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I think Suzuki cures a lot of ills for you as a team. Um, but I, I actually would differ from you if the team does nothing in the outfield. I want Jackie in right, and I want Kike in center, and I want Verdugo in left, and I just want them to catch all the balls. You don't want to go with this dual right field approach? <laughs> Two right fielders? Yeah. Big just old have, Just have the monster left. play left? Yeah, just have yeah. the monster play left. Who needs yeah. it? Well, we did that with Manny, so <laughs> worked out fine. Yeah. Just um, have uh, Bogarts play a deep short, right? Yeah, there you go. And then give him his money because he'll be playing <laughs> two positions. <laughs> yeah. Um, next one comes from Brendan. He says, uh, w- a different Brendan. He says, what Red Sox player should be mic'd up the most? Verdugo. Oh, I love Verdugo mic'd up. But I actually think Kike would be a good one mic'd up, too. He would be a good one mic'd up, too. You're right. But also, Devers mic'd up? Maybe? See, I imagine him just making a lot of fun sounds. Like <laughs> yeah, I was the that's same, fun. I know. And that's I was the same way on the field. Like, I didn't talk a lot, but I made, like, a lot of noises. Because I was just having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I... I I could see that. Um, the difference is he's way better than I was. I was bad and just kind of making noises. He's really <laughs> good and would be making noises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it would be almost more interesting to hear Devers mic'd up taking at bats uh, and like pounding his own head and his helmet when he does something wrong uh, than it would be to have him in the field. But I think that... We have seen Verdugo mic'd up. You're absolutely right. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's the best. But uh, Kike is just such a joy. I love Kike. I Who? cannot oh. say how much I love Kike. Brock He's Holt the was the guy that was tricking everybody when he was mic'd up. He was when he was mic'd up, and um, he told he would just go up to people and be like, "The booth wants you to like." He told Mookie, he's like, they want <laughs> the booth wants you to um, show your bowling form. And so he was like <laughs> in the outfield doing his bowling form. It's like they never asked for that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Brock Holt, what a gem. Yeah, he was the man. All right. Our next question comes from Arnab Shadhuri. And he says, uh, what do you think the Sox should do if they sign Freddie Freeman? Play him. I was going to say win baseball games, um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely play the guy every day at first base. 
that works for me. Uh, last question here comes from TMCM, and he says, as things stand on March 15th, what do you think is the ideal way to wrap up the offseason as far as free agents and trades? What would be your ideal? Say a Suzuki. Kenley Jansen. Extend Bogart's endeavors. You nailed it. That's exactly what I want. That's it. We're on the same page. It's a perfect off season. I would love it. Yep. Over the moon. Yep. Make it happen, Bloom. Don't disappoint us. All right. Well, Keaton, that's our show. Appreciate you joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, guys, please go on, rate and review us. Leave us a nice review. Uh, you know, tell Keaton how wonderful his voice sounds and tell me how good I am at hosting and all that stuff. Um, and follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can follow me at, at Dev Jake. You can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster. And we will be with you again next week. <laughs>